0: know that it's possible to survive the boss from hell without quitting your job or selling your soul? Hi, my name is Ken Williams and I'm a certified life coach and a master of connecting with people. I've had a lot of bad bosses because who hasn't? And I'm the host of the Bad Boss Podcast, a podcast where we explore ways to improve relationships at work so that you can survive the boss from hell. So join me as we delve into the ins and outs of working with people that you never wanted to be friends with. If you're hoping to reduce your work stress and increase your job satisfaction when it seems impossible, this is the podcast for you. Get ready to discover the power of untoxic positivity and learn how to survive the boss from hell. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first Bad Boss Podcast. I am not quite sure how this is all going to go. It's going to be a little bit fun. I have been hosting the Untoxic Positivity podcast for some time now um i recently recently uh (laughs) several months ago i don't know i don't remember exactly when um i could look it up certified as a life coach and as i have been thinking about uh, how i can help people and who which people i want to uh spend my time thinking about helping focusing on etc um i realized that there is a problem in the world that I might be able to to shed some light on, not to add to the problem, but hopefully to reduce the problem. I was talking to to somebody today. I was donating platelets because that's what I do in my free time sometimes. And I said something about uh, bad bosses. And this uh, phlebotomist said, oh, yeah, I have one of those, or I have had one of those. She was very careful. She didn't say she did currently. She said, I've had to deal with one of those, and a little bit of context here as well. This is uh, you're hearing this on the Untoxic Positivity Untoxic Positivity podcast, but uh, and it's, and I'm trying to decide if I'm going to just convert this to the Bad Boss podcast or if I'm going to continue periodically Untoxic Positivity in and then just um, go all in with the Bad Boss Bo- Bad Boss podcast, and that's kind of what I'm leaning towards right now. And I just wrote a book, so yay me i wrote a book about and this is based on, based it came from a conversation that i had with my coach gabrielle shout out to gabrielle and i told her i'm gonna write a book i've been thinking about this for a long time and the the form and what i mean by the form is the content that i was wanting to focus on was a little bit up in the air Because uh, you've heard stories. If you've listened to either my Chocolate Cake Bites podcast or my uh, Untoxic Positivity. (laughs) Thank goodness for editing, but I probably won't edit that out. Um, Untoxic Positivity is a little bit about my my relationship with my boss, as well as uh, my relationship with the people that I work with, my peers, my um, employees that that I work with on my teams. And number one, I want to be careful to say i'm not talking about any one person i'm talking about things in general but as i've talked to a lot of people i've i listen i try anyways listen a lot to different people try to understand what it is that they're looking for in their own boss and just a a little bit of an aside i am well aware that there are bad bosses out there i frankly (laughs) Have been a bad boss on occasion, and as I started writing this book, I realized that a the book went in a completely different direction than I expected. Um, kind of in my head, the way that I thought about it, it was going to be kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek criticism of the the um, people that we have to deal with, the the bad bosses out there. And as I as I dug into it, I really realized that that's not what was really my best, um, offering. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the book and what I'm going to do for the first few episodes of this podcast is I'm just going to read the book to you. If you want to buy the book, I would be happy (laughs) to send you to Amazon. It's on Amazon. It's $8.99, which I think is a bargain. (laughs) I may change the price at some point. And, um, if you want, in fact, um, Later on, at some point, I'll talk about what I offer from a coaching uh, perspective. What it boils down to is, if you have a bad boss and you want to have a better relationship with your boss, especially if you're not in a situation where you can change bosses, it's easy to get a new boss if you quit and move on. That's not always possible because of could be contracts, it could be uh, the economy, it could be available jobs. It could be all all sorts of different things. So if changing jobs, changing bosses is not an option, I would be happy to sit down with you and and strategize what it could look like for you to survive the boss from hell. So in fact, that's the name of the book, Surviving the Boss from Hell, Taming Tyrants, Soothing Screamers, and Outsmarting Control Freaks. And this is going to be a different kind of a a book reading. It's not the typical that you may have gotten from some of those audiobook sellers. I am I will read, but I'm also probably going to take some tangents as I go through here. Um, so yeah, let's just get started. The dedication, of course, to all the bad bosses that I've ever had <laughs> who have made this book necessary, to the peers and friends that I've had who've made the book necessary. And if you're wondering if you're one or the other, I'm not even going to comment on that. So chapter one, well, I should go ahead with the acknowledgments. Um, I have had some amazing supporters in my life. I have friends, I have family, I have coworkers, I have coaches who have pushed me, encouraged me to do things that sometimes are out of my comfort zone. And I have been, uh, tremendously blessed as a result of their encouragement, their support, their confidence. And so my, um, acknowledgements. First of all, I didn't realize how helpful it was having a coach until I had a coach. And the book itself is a product of many of the coaches that I've had in my life. Formal coaches, people like Gabrielle, who is a formal coach who I've hired, uh, could be informal coaches like my sweet wife, (laughs) who just tells me what she thinks, sometimes when I don't want to hear it, and sometimes when I do. Peers, uh, managers, bosses, bad bosses as well, um, I am a better person. I'm a better manager because of all of those people, uh, including the bad bosses, and I'll uh, get into some of that. Um, so, just on the the uh, recording here, I'll indicate a couple of the other people, and I'm not gonna even pretend that this is an ex- inclusive list. It absolutely is not. But th- of course, my mom has had a tremendous amount of confidence in me when I didn't understand that. <laughs> there was any reason for it. And so I very much appreciate that. Uh, Ron, who I wrote a couple books with, had the same thing. He pushed me and stretched me and pulled me in different directions, and I'm a better writer as a result. Mark and Annette, siblings that I have, that does not mean my other siblings are not uh, part of that, but they have had um, specific and recent uh, interactions with me that have Um, helped make a difference. So thank you all. And if you're not on this list and you think you should be, you probably should be. And I'll uh, give you a shout out. Just remind me. It does not hurt my feelings if you remind me that I have forgotten you. And just let me know. I'll give you a shout out. And uh, I might even tell a story about why you should be on the list. Because you absolutely, you should be. Even if we have not met, you probably should be on the list. So here we go. First of all, Before we even start with the book, I feel like it's important to have an introduction. This is the dilemma of the boss from hell. First of all, I need to be clear. And I am telling you, I am trying to be as clear, as distinct, as upfront as I possibly can be. For many of you who know me personally, I am sure that when you heard about this project, when you saw the book, when you read this, you are going to think I'm talking about a specific person. And to be honest, that's kind of where this started. But as I got into the, the actual content, I realized that's not helpful. It's not helpful for me to talk about any given person. So if you've heard my Untoxic Positivity podcast where I've talked about some of the interactions that I've had with bosses and peers and employees and et cetera, it will be very easy for you to think, I know who he's talking about. And I am telling you, that's not who I'm talking about. I think I share one story of a specific boss. There may be a couple others, but it's not the boss you're thinking. This is a boss from years and years and years ago and um, (laughs) it was an example of a bad boss. So I'm not talking about the person you think I'm talking about, and I'm 100% honest, I am not. I'm not talking about any person that you may think I'm talking about based on what you know about me. I'm not talking about anybody that I work with. I'm not talking about anybody that I work for or that have worked around for the most part. Again, there's that one story I might, as we get to that story, I may give a little bit more details because it's so many years removed, but I'm not talking about anybody currently. So just as far as you're concerned, assume that the stories are embellished, that I've exaggerated. I have been known to do that anyways, and I've done that for improved sarcasm, maybe marginally better entertainment, and maybe The Lessons are a little bit better. The conversations don't trust that they're accurate or accurately documented conversations. Just assume I made it all up based on things that I've seen. It's all imaginary, at least as far as you know. Having said that, you probably know people who are like the people that I'm describing in the book. As far as you're concerned, that's who I'm talking about. So just believe that. Just generally... That's that'll help protect me, <laughs> so I won't, won't get in trouble for talking about somebody that that uh, you may think I'm talking about, and really, honestly, I'm not. There's a very very real chance that the people that you know and the people I know might be the same people, whether that's today or in the past, and that's just simply coincidence. And what my little Bob Ross reference, it was a happy little accident. I did it on purpose because it makes the stories a little bit more real. If you can imagine a person that I'm talking about, enjoy that overlap. Be amused with the convenient juxtapositions, but don't for a second believe that it was intentional. It was not, especially like I said, as I got into the writing, I realized that was not going to be a helpful book if I made a criticism of any person. And really, the person I criticize the most is me from the things that I've learned in having been a bad boss, and then um, ways that I've interacted with bosses in the past that have not been productive. So again, to be clear, the boss that I have right now, he and I have a great relationship, and I'm being honest about that. I've learned a lot from him by working with him and for him. So my purpose in writing this book is simple. There are a lot a lot of bad bosses out there. I've heard stories. I've seen things. I might have some evidence of occasions where <laughs> there are bad bosses out there. There are plenty of stories for a book like this, but I learned something recently. So for context, again, I'm a certified life coach. I love what I do. And, one of the, and what I mean by that, I love what I do when, I, when I'm coaching people, but I also love the job that I have. I work Um, A night shift. I've been with the company for 15 years. I've been in my current role for seven years. I love what I do. One of the things that I've discovered over my lot of years of life is I cannot change anyone except me. It didn't really take me becoming a life coach to figure that one out. I've been married for 33 years, all in a row, (laughs) and all to the same person. And I have five kids, and I'm the oldest of six, and my wife is the oldest of seven. And I've had a lot of experience not being able to change anybody. At the same time, I am frequently frustrated that other people can't see that my way is the best way. Coaching has helped me frame that a little bit. So as you read the book, expect that I'm going to coach you a little bit. I'm going to bring some information or mindset ideas in that might challenge the way that you currently think. Hopefully. The book is a little bit entertaining as well. You can't change your boss. You can't change the boss from hell to become the most amazing boss, (laughs) like the boss that I am, but you can change you. So let's play around with that for a minute. I'm going to give you a summary of the coaching model. This is the coaching model that I was trained on. There are five parts of the model, and I'm not going to get into a lot of depth, but it's important to have a basic foundation of this model. The five parts are circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. So just for a quick explanation of what each of those parts is, a circumstance, the definition is a circumstance is a fact. It's a fact. It is indisputable. It is provable. It is something that 100% of the people would agree on. So something like it is 57 degrees outside is a circumstance, Because you can document, you can show it, you can prove it. There is evidence of it. The president is a jerk is not a fact because you have half the country that believes one way and half the country that believes a different way. If we're talking about the president of the United States and it doesn't matter what evidence you think you have only facts, 100% undisputable indisputable, and true things, documentable, things that you could prove in a court of law, those are circumstances. The next step, thoughts. Thoughts are what you think about the circumstance. So important part of, about circumstances is that they are neutral. It's 57 degrees outside. That's the circumstance, and that's neutral. Some people say, oh, no, 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 that is beautiful weather. And somebody else will say, no, 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 that is freezing weather. No, no, no. Those are both thoughts. And your experience with the weather is going to be a positive experience. If, for example, you think, it's so nice, crisp, cool, spring day, or it's going to be a negative experience based on what you think that, oh, it's such a miserable, cold, dreary, misty day. So what you think about the circumstance, that is your thought. And that's where you get the positive or the negative, the good or the bad. The circumstance itself is neutral. I'm just gonna ask you to trust me on this one. The thoughts, that's where you get the good or the bad experiences. The feelings that we have are generated from our thoughts. They are not generated from our circumstances. It is easy to think that because the interest rate is X percent, that the economy is bad or that we have a um, a bad work experience or whatever it is no no no, no that's not true the feeling that we have we may feel tense about the economy we may, we may feel um, expansive about uh, the economy depending on on what your situation is but the feeling that you have is because of the thought that you have not because of the circumstance somebody's going to have a peaceful feeling about the weather because it's cool it's crisp it's spring it's and they're gonna just love it they're gonna have a a beautifully calm, peaceful day. And other people are going to be up in arms because it's cold, it's dark, it's dreary, whatever. The circumstance doesn't generate the feeling. It comes from the thought. So I'm just going to ask you to trust me on that. Our feelings drive our actions. The actions give us result. So the feelings that we have create our actions. And the actions really come from the feelings or they come from the feelings that we think we're going to have based on uh, what we do. So uh, maybe I should get back into the book. (laughs) I've just been having a great time explaining this. But um, again, the, the circumstance is neutral. It's raining outside. That would be a circumstance that's neutral. We can both agree on that. I work outside. So when it's raining outside, when I'm working, I am usually going to think that the weather is awful. However, <laughs> if it's my day off, I may love the rain. I may love the sound. I may love the, the humidity or the smells and things like that. So as we relate it, as we bring it back to, to bosses, the, the idea that my boss is a micromanager or a narcissist or a jerk or whatever, those are all thoughts which means they're not true. They're they're thoughts, which means somebody is probably going to think, you may even have a poll (laughs) and 99% of the people or even 100% of the people may agree that the boss is a narcissist. That does not make it true. Now, if there's a diagnosis, different story, but that's not what we're talking about. The thoughts that we have about the people that we work with don't make sense those things true. Thoughts are subjective. They drive our feelings. Good feelings bring good, uh, good. thoughts bring good feelings. Bad thoughts bring bad feelings. We can choose our thoughts. And that's the key part. We can choose our thoughts. If you have a thought that the weather is bad, you could choose a different thought. We'll get into that a little bit more later on. Finally, our actions, our behaviors come from our feelings, how we feel or how th- we think we're going to feel. And we can control the actions and then we can re- and change the results that we get based on the thoughts and feelings. It all really boils down to the thoughts. It's not always necessary or practical to change the circumstances. It's not always possible. You may not be able to change your job. You may not be able to change your boss. You probably can't go to the next level up boss and say, I don't like this person. So I need you to make a change that you could ask, but that's not necessarily going to make any change. It's not always necessary to change the circumstance. Again, your job is a circumstance. You could change it. You could go get a different job. And that absolutely will give you, make it easy for you to change your thoughts, but it's not necessary. That's what we're going to be talking about. There may be times that that's the best way to to proceed. We may talk about that at some point, but mostly we're going to talk about if you can't move on, If you can't change your circumstance, how do you deal with the boss from hell? I spent a lot more time on the introduction than I thought I would. So, um, without wasting much time, let's just go to chapter one. Maybe I'll, um, give less commentary. Maybe not. (laughs) We'll just see where it goes. And, but this will be a great way to kind of introduce the podcast. I am going to, uh, like I said, I'm going to read. There are 10 chapters in the book. We've gone through the introduction. We'll hit chapter one. And then our first few episodes of the, of the book will be, or I'm sorry, of the podcast will be the book. And you can get a feel for uh, what we're all about here. So chapter one, decoding the difficult boss, tyrant to time waster. There are a lot of different types of bosses, and they all have different reasons for being the way that they are. From the outside, the reasons all suck. And the the ways are all stupid. I agree. And I am one of those bosses sometimes. My reasons may suck. They may not make sense all the time. And the way I manage sometimes is stupid. So let's talk about some different styles. I've been around a lot of people who are new in leadership positions. It could take a a variety of titles. You could be manager, supervisor, team leader. Um, It doesn't matter. There are a lot of people that I've been around as they step into a leadership role. So taking off the regular t-shirt, sometimes figuratively, sometimes literally, but at least figuratively, putting on the new t-shirt that reads leader on the back. It's a very simple and um, sometimes, like I said, it's a literal way that people dip their toe into leadership. I understand that leadership and management are not the same thing. That is not the purpose of this book to to discuss that. That may be uh, an upcoming book where we uh, get into leadership rather than management. But stick with me here for my own personal convenience. I may use those words interchangeably. That's just for my own personal convenience. So suppose yesterday you weren't a leader. Today you are because some paperwork happened. And now we're supposed to follow that person. The problem is there is oftentimes no formal training. I <laughs> did not get any specific formal company sponsored training training to be a manager before I became a manager. So when I promoted promoted to my current management position, I wasn't sure how it would work. I was afraid that my team might not follow me. That was a very real concern that I had, but even worse, I was kind of afraid that they might. I didn't, I don't think that I'm unique in that experience. Changing your identity from a non-leader to a leader takes some time. It's a whole identity shift. It does not usually happen overnight. So I've noticed a lot of recently promoted people, and even some not too recently promoted people, that compensate for the incongruous identity by using volume, volume of their voice. If they speak louder, or maybe yell, or maybe they're just aggressive or rough in their language, They imagine that they can get results. I was shocked the first time I stepped into a leadership role and people actually wanted to hear what I had to say simply because I was in that role. As soon as the word on the back of your t-shirt says leader, you automatically and instantly have some level of respect, the respect of other people. It may not be much, but they have, people have an automatic level of respect for the position. So we're going to call that positional respect. So an example is you may not like the president. You may not like the mayor. You may not like the governor. You may not like like the, the, um, the CEO. There are people in your world that you may not like, but you probably have some level of respect for the position that that person holds. So that positional respect happens automatically. The rest, the earned respect that we can all have, we can add to our own style. That comes with time. And I think it grows along with our identity. So imagine a newly promoted leader who feels some level of imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is the thought that I shouldn't be here. This isn't right. It's not me. Somebody who feels imposter syd- syndrome may compensate by yelling or by demanding or by requiring or compelling. And maybe that's just a byproduct of an incongruity between, between their identity and their job title. That's not the only thing that can happen with a leader. And it's true that some of them are power grabbing jerks. They may like telling people to do things just because they can. They may be lazy and sadistic. Maybe their mother didn't love them. Who knows? Some bosses are delegators. They don't do anything that they don't have to do themselves. And I know some of these. I've watched these people and they promote well. They're amazing at getting things done. And this person that I'm thinking of specifically does a great job of handing things off that he personally doesn't have to be the one to do. On the other hand, there is a micromanager. That's the one who not only tells you what to do, but how to do it. And maybe that's because Your failure is a reflection of them. And I know I haven't covered every possible style or scenario, but the question is, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with these changing or these different leadership types? Step one, start with respecting the position. The person is in the position because someone saw something in them and thought they were worthy of the person becoming the leader of people. You may not see the same thing, And the bad news, that doesn't matter. You weren't the decision maker, and I wasn't either. So we get to live with the consequences of somebody else's judgment. It's tempting to complain about the difficult boss, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. I am saying that maybe you should slow down. Diagnose the problem. What really is bothering you? Give it a name. Is your boss a tyrant? A bully? A micromanager? A yes-man or a yes-woman? A doormat? something interesting about people's actions. There's a reason for them. 100% of the time, people have a reason for doing the things that they do. It may not be rational. It may not be conscious. It may not be something that you agree with, but it exists. Think about that model. The reason we do things is because of how we feel or how we think doing that thing will make us feel. So just suppose that you can discern the reason that your boss behaves the way that he or she does. Maybe they were dropped on their head when they were 11. Maybe they don't have any friends. Maybe they were falsely accused of having a personality, whatever the situation was. If you knew the reason, you could have a better understanding of the why behind the behavior or the management style. Spend a few minutes with the boss. I know that may be uncomfortable. Ask questions. What motivates them? What are their pet peeves? Why are they the way that they are? The reason itself doesn't necessarily matter and you don't have to agree with it, but understand that their reason makes them them. Maybe they'll change. Maybe they won't. But if you know what you can expect from them, that will get you started in your own personal journey of not hating your job so much. Now, don't be confused. Don't assume that I am defending their poor behavior. I am not, I do not like bullies. I don't think these, I don't think that bullies should be promoted. I have worked for bullies before. Unfortunately, sometimes they are promoted because sometimes they get results. Sometimes they're promoted to be your boss. Again, that's not something that we have control over right now. So step one, respect the position. Figure out why he or she is behaving the way that they are. Discuss this with somebody. Discuss it with a trusted friend or a spouse or a coach, even with me if you want. I'd be happy to share my perspective. As you understand your boss a little bit better, and again, I'm not saying you should agree or condone bad behavior, the bad behavior, but understand it. Understand why they are the way that they are. That will put you miles ahead of your peers in being able to work with the boss from hell. That's chapter one. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Bad Boss Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bad Boss Podcast. We hope you found it helpful and inspiring. Remember that relationships are a work in progress and making mistakes is normal. And if you want to have a better experience with your own bad boss, I'd love to chat. Reach out to me at Ken at KenWilliamsCoaching.com or check out the link in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with others who might benefit. And until next time, don't forget to spread untoxic Positivity everywhere.